For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love requires cling to the one who's first corinthians where we'll be at today as we're going through a corinthians first corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 is where we'll begin today and the bible says for after that in the wisdom of god the world by wisdom knew not god it pleased god by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. As far advanced as we are today, and obviously I believe we're, we're further advanced than we ever have been in the history of the world with technology, with ed- education, none of those things can introduce you to God. The only way, the only thing, there's only one person that can introduce you to God, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has chosen, listen to what it says, by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God chose the foolishness of preaching for people to come to know him, for people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, because Jesus is the intercessor between us and God. You cannot go to God on your own. There is no man or no woman that can go to God for you. The only person that can get you to God is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is being born again and having a new nature put within you. The comforter, the Bible calls him, the Holy Spirit. And so you can't know God. You can read all kinds of books about God. You could read the Bible. But listen to me, the Bible is a spiritual book. The Bible is a living book. And apart from the Holy Spirit, you cannot understand the Bible. Oh, you may heard of the stories, you may read the stories, but it's not going to be alive to you like it is that someone that is born again. So with all the wisdom, all the schooling, all the education, all the technology, none of those things can get you to God. It does not matter how far advanced society gets. If we can send people past Mars and further, they could never, ever, ever, ever get to God in that manner and so foolishness you think if you think about it preaching is kind of foolishness even god calls it by the foolishness of preaching but listen to me that is the vehicle that god chose to make himself known god will call a man to preach 
his word to the people so that they will come to know God, but also to warn them of a coming judgment if they do not get saved, if they do not get born again. The Bible says they will experience what is called the second death, that is the spiritual death, in a place called hell. And there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, gnawing of tongue, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And you say, but I'm a good person. I'm going to just say there's a lot of good people in hell. There's a lot of people by the world standards that are good. But Jesus himself said, there is none good, no, not one. So even no matter how good you could be, you could never come to know God by the goodness that you think is good. Because the Bible says we're all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 and so the next verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, our next verse, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greek seek after wisdom. And it was characteristic of the Jews to, to request a sign. They needed a sign. And their attitude was they, would, they wouldn't believe unless they were shown a miracle. And there are people like that today. If God wants me to know, God will just show me. But hold on. God's shown you a preacher. God's shown you his word. You've seen the Bible. And here's the question. What about the guy in Africa that's never seen a missionary, never never held a Bible, never heard God's word? Let me just say, the Bible gives a verse for that. It says that the creation itself cries out, there's a Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and that there'll be no excuse on Judgment Day. But besides that point, God's not going to judge you by Him. God's going to judge you by you and you have heard the word of God. You know what the Bible is. Amen. And so God's going to judge you. And so the Greeks, Sarah, the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Greeks, on the other hand, had, had searched for wisdom. They were interested in, in human reasoning, in arguments, in logic, a lot like today. And you know, the funny thing with people today is I've noticed is that everything seems to have a, a, um, a standard, you know. Nobody takes chances with their bank account, but they'll take a chance with eternity. They'll take a chance with spiritual things like, well, I think this, that, and the other. But they wouldn't take that kind of chance with their own money in their own bank account. Oh, no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to chance that. But let me just say, there are great eternal consequences for rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The best thing that you can do is realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And once you are saved, Christian, hey, live out a godly life. And so here he's saying, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So sometimes, no matter how much you show somebody that, that God is true, God is is God, God is just, God is holy, God is righteous, and that Jesus is the only way, they will not believe it. And the Bible says for some, even if a dead man crawled up out of the grave and told them and warned them, they still would not believe. But listen to me, Christian. Just because of that, it's still our job to tell them. It's still our duty to tell them. It's a command for us to tell the world how to be saved. Amen. So our next verse, 1 Corinthians 1.23. But we preach Christ crucified, 
unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks fellowship, or foolishness, I'm sorry, and unto the Greeks foolishness. Hey, listen to me. Paul gives us an, a great example here of what we should do when witnessing to people. Remember what the verse said? That, that Jews require a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom. I'm going to just say Paul didn't stroke their ego. Paul didn't go around the bush to tell them the truth. Paul didn't get on their level to tell them the truth. Paul preached Christ and Christ crucified. That's what he says. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. Paul did not cater to their desires. He says we preach Christ and Christ crucified. Amen. Paul was not a sign-loving Jew, nor a wisdom-loving Greek. But listen to me, he was a Savior-loving Christian, and that's what we need to be. Be an example, be a witness, be a testimony to the world. Let me just say this, there is no lifestyle evangelism. That means that somebody's just going to look at your life and they want to be saved. No, there's nowhere in the Bible. The Bible says that you are to tell it with your mouth, with your words. Now you are supposed to back it up by the way that you live. Amen. Your life, the way that you live should match your testimony. The words are coming out of your mouth because people will not take you serious if it does not. Not only that, you won't be right with God if it does not. But the Bible does say that we are commanded to tell it. And here Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. He didn't cater to them. He, he didn't fold up his feelings and put them in his pocket. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, I don't want to step on their toes. Well, well, listen to me. The best thing you could do is hurt their feelings and step on their toes if you're telling them the truth because you are telling them out of love. Will some hate you for it? They will hate your guts for it. But you know that you love them enough to tell them the truth. Amen? To the Jews, Christ crucified was a stumbling block. Hey, they looked for a mighty military leader to deliver them out of the oppression from Rome. Instead of that, the gospel offered them a savior nailed to the cross to save their soul. See, they were looking for somebody to save their skin, as we do today. Save my hide. Oh, God, if you'll get me out of this. But Jesus didn't come for that. Jesus came to save your soul from the fires of hell, to give you eternal life that you may be forever with the Lord. Not just save your skin, save yourself from some pain here on earth. No, the Bible says that, hey, those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You will have a hard time. But listen to me, in eternity, in eternity, you will be with the Lord. So going on here to the Greeks, to the Greeks, Christ crucified, it was foolishness to them. What could a man nailed to a cross do for me? They could not understand how one who died, they would seem weak to them. He seemed like he was a failure, like he was just a problem. What is this guy? This is foolishness. What is he going to do for me? But listen, it wasn't just any man. He was the God man. His blood, his blood is the way that we are redeemed. Listen to me. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Even today, doctors know that they treat the blood. What's in the blood? Your red blood cells, your white blood cells. But listen, on the spiritual level, the life of the flesh is in the blood. You want true life. You want eternal life. It comes from the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ washed in his blood. That when you stand before God, you'll be sinless and spotless. God will 
will not see your sin. He will see his own self. He will see his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So to, to the Greeks, it was foolishness. But to us that are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. It's got the power to change somebody's life. Look with me now in verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The very things that the Jews and the Gentiles sought after, all of it could be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, power, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, it is all in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was there, but they rejected him, as many do today. But everything that they were looking for was in Jesus. You listen to me. Everything that you're looking for is in Jesus. Everything that you need is in Jesus. But many will go through this life and try to do it themselves. But I'm a good person. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to get to God my way. I'm going to go how I want to go. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And listen to me, there are a lot of people in hell that did it the way they wanted to do it. But when you do what the God says, when you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, for you have eternal life. And when you take your last breath, you will forever be with the Lord. And there is nothing on this earth that can give you peace like that. It's a peace that passes all understanding that no matter what happens, no matter who does what, if I get shot, if I die in my sleep, if I get cancer tomorrow, it doesn't matter. God's got me in his hand. My name is written in the Lamb's book alive and I may close my eyes here on earth but I'm going to lift up my eyes in heaven amen and so everything that they were looking for is in Christ the power of God the wisdom of God is all in the Lord Jesus Christ verse 25 because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men but listen to me actually Hey, there's no foolishness in God and there's no weakness in God. So what seems to be foolish in God's eyes, what seems to be weakness in man's eyes, but there is no foolishness or weakness within God. Oh, a man might think he sees foolishness or a man might think he sees weakness in God, but truthfully, there is not. But even what some would call the foolishness of God is much wiser than the wisest man that ever walked the face of the earth. And the strength of God is much stronger than any man that's ever, ever walked the face of the earth. Amen. The foolishness of God is smarter than the wisest person, the wisest decision that has ever been made. And that would be foolishness to God. Amen. Verse 26 for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now I want you to notice something about this verse. I want you to notice that it says many. It doesn't say any. There will be some rich called. There will be some rich saved. There will be some very powerful people saved. So it doesn't say any. It just says not many. You keep that in mind. Not many wise men out the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Can a rich man be saved? Absolutely he can be saved. 
But the Bible also says that it's easier for the camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. A rich man's got to set all his riches aside in his mind and in his heart and put his faith in Jesus Christ and not in the things that he owns or the things he possesses. You see, what it is here, if you listen to the verse, how that not many wise men, not many noble, not many big names are called. Because if men were to build their own church, they would want to enroll and enlist and invite the most prominent, powerful, rich members of society. That's the kind of church that a man would build. He'd want prominent people, powerful people, rich people, people with status. That's the kind of people he would look, was look, be looking for. But is that who God chose? Is that who God used? No, God used people that society themselves would throw away. Maybe even some in the church today would throw them away. But God says, I can use that person in a mighty way and I will get the glory out of it. Amen. So verse 26 teaches us that people, men esteem so highly, God will pass by. Man thinks they're great. Man, that guy's great. He's got, he, look, he's so powerful. He's so rich. God will pass right by him. But the guy that's a lowly nobody, God says, I can use him. I most certainly can. So the one he calls are not generally the ones the world considers are great. If you look at the characters of the Bible, Rahab the harlot, God mightily used her. And many, many others in the Bible. Matthew, a despised tax collector how about some fishermen peter james these guys were they were nobody they were just fishermen you think they had a lot of status in their day how many fishermen today do you know that have status and power none of them they didn't have it in that day neither but that's who god called and that's who god used some dirty people that smelled like fish God says, I can use them. I'm calling them to myself. And listen, God's still the same today. God still calls the same kind of people today. The lowly in heart, the meek, the weak, the sick, the poorly. That's the kind of people God can use. Can God use mighty people and rich people? Absolutely. But he says, not many. Not many are called. Going on, verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Let's just stop there and define confound. Confound means to shame, to disgrace, and or to dishonor. So after knowing that, let's read that verse again. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound, to shame, to disgrace, to dishonor the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound, to shame, to disgrace, to dishonor the things that are mighty. Now you stop and think about some of the stories in the Bible. What God did. God used a trumpet and people yelling to bring down the mighty walls of the city Jericho. You would say, that is foolish. That's crazy. But that's what God did. Hey, God reduced Gideon's army. From 32,000 soldiers, when he's going to battle to fight, God cut the army back all the way to 300 to fight the armies of Midian. And listen to me, they won the battle. God used an ox goad in the hand of a Shemgar to defeat the army of the Philistines. 
An ox goad was just a long stick with a piece of metal on it. They would, sit, they would hit the oxen on the back to make them go, make them plow. And here God put it in the hands of a person and they defeated an army. How about Samson? He took a jawbone of a donkey and defeated a whole army with it. Killed them all with the jawbone of a donkey. Man, you say that's foolishness. That's crazy. Those people are mighty. What does the verse say? The weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. To put to shame, to, di to disgrace the things that are mighty. How about, and our Lord fed to 5,000 with nothing more than a few loaves and fishes. He break it and blessed it and multiplied it and many were blessed by it. And here's a little side note. That lunch that he got from that boy with those few loaves and fishes, Jesus didn't take that from him. He didn't take it out of his hand and say, give me that, I'm going to use that. No, it had to be given to Jesus. He gave it to Jesus. That's a great example. Don't miss the spiritual thing side of that. You want God to break it and bless it and multiply it and many or thousands be blessed by it. You have got to give it to Jesus. He is not going to take it from you. He wants you to give it to him. Amen. Verse 28. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to not the things that are. God uses people which are despised. The things that are not. God uses some unlikely material. Some unlikely characters. I think of my own self in that matter. To bring to not. To bring to nothing the things that are. In other words, he loves to take up people who are of no esteem in the eyes of the world and use them in a mighty way to glorify himself. You see, because it's not about them. It's all about him. That's what God's about. It's all about him. So hey, listen to me. Listen to me, Christian. Even my own self. These verses should serve as a rebuke to a Christian who favors prominent people and well-known people and show little or no regard to the humble saints of God. That, that, that should just kick us right in the teeth, Christian, that, hey, God puts much value on them, and I should too. Because, listen, God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at what you have or your outside. God looks at the heart. When he judge you, the heart of the matter. Where is your heart today, Christian? Is it right? Is it in the word of God? Are you at God's feet saying, here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me, Lord. I will go. Because that should be your attitude. The preaching of the cross will no longer be foolishness to you. It will be the power of God unto salvation. And you will want others to know about it. You will want your family members to know about it. You will want your family members to be saved. It worries me when somebody says they got saved, but they're not worried about their family. They're not worried about their friends. They're not worried about telling their others. There was a great evangelist said that said that if you... Don't want others to be saved. It's probably because you're not saved 
yourself. And so once a person does get saved, man, they want their family to be saved. They want their friends to be saved. Amen. The Bible says that you must work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Make sure you just didn't say a little prayer that somebody told you to say, but that you have truly repented in your heart and asked Jesus for forgiveness and put your faith and trust in the finished work of the cross. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries Radio Broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.